You busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Let me explain something to you, and I need you to hear me. I need you to hear me clear. You are going to walk in freedom. You are going to walk in the aligned purpose of what it is that God has for your life. You are going to start doing exactly what the Bible says, and you are going to have dominion. You are going to multiply and divide, and anything that subtracts from you has to get out the equation because that's not what God said he has for you. You are going to start doing exactly what you are customized to do in your own unique way. The way that your fingerprints are unique, God wants you to go ahead and put your fingerprint on your sphere of influence. There is something about you that nobody else can't do. It's not just something that is cliche said. It is not something that just looks good or as a quote or a Hallmark card. At this point, I want you to understand that you were purposed. You are purposed for a purpose. God literally made you and all your ingredients for a particular meal. And without you, the dinner plate is not the same. At this point, If nothing at all, we both are going to walk away from this particular conversation and our lives, period, with the understanding of I will no longer be bound. I will no longer be bound. I had a conversation with my cousin the other day, and I absolutely positively wanted to throw up, but I was so thankful for the content that she gave me. Uh, I was having a conversation about work and careers, and decisions, and things of that nature. And she said the following, you need this job. And I promise you, in my soul was the DJ, what? Scratch like never before. It Something happened in me. <laughs> there was like a, a automatic uh, internal girdle with, a, with some beads of sweat that started to uh, develop unbeknownst to me that I was like, time out, what you say? She was like, well, it's not that you need this job, but you know, you need this job. Well, for several reasons, you need the job and then you need this job on your resume to get to where you want to get to. And I, I don't care what she said after that, I could not get over the DJ scratch. And that did something to me. And I said, you know what? And Holy Spirit, help me take my time. There is something about someone co-signing your slavery that doesn't sit well with me. There is something about someone hearing the state that you are in, knowing that it's not healthy, knowing that no person should work like that, should be under those conditions, should be a part of whatever it is that you have identified as this is depleting me. No one should be on the other end of hearing that and find some kind of way to speak to you or speak a word or coach you into staying in that. And so for a minute, I was almost like, bro, does she even love me? Because that's not love. (laughs) Like, I don't even understand. And then I had to stop. And I remembered and recalled the conversation that I was having just the day before where a homegirl of mine was saying to me that she told her parents that she wasn't happy and that she wanted to go ahead and and move to another part of, you know, the state, and she wanted to do this, that, and the third. And their rebuttal to her was, well, why would you want to do that? You're stable. And she said, yeah, but what you call stable, I call stagnant. And and that did something to me. So I had to remind her and just encourage her. I said, let me explain something to you. God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? But when God uh, found 
Abraham, he was Abram. He was Abram in his father's house. So God had to do a couple of things. He had to move him out of his father's house so that he can move him to where he needed him to be, so that he can elevate him to be Abram, so that now we're able to say that he's the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm sorry, Joseph. I'm sorry, Jacob. I'm in one right now. You literally sometimes are moved from the people that you figure are your day one, the places that you are most familiar with so that God can do a thing in you that he could not do in that original setting. Because God could have very well did exactly what he did, just made sure that, you know, Abraham, you know, Abram turned to Abraham. He was in his father's house. That's cool. But God was like, "Mm -mm, because what I'm going to do for you, what I'm going to do through you may clash with what your parents see because people can only encourage you to their level of success or their level of understanding. And sometimes, you know, someone who was enslaved can't understand that you want to do real estate now. Someone who who was 30 years into a company and retired can't understand that you want to do entrepreneurship. So sometimes what God has to do is literally pick you up, pick the seed of you up and plant you somewhere else because you're not going to grow in that environment. You're just not. It has nothing to do. Sometimes it's not even personal. It's just personally, they can't see past your promise. They can't see past your purpose. And so instead of faulting them, you go ahead and remove yourself. You go ahead and you follow God. So then now that God can add on to you. Abraham left as Abram, the husband of Sarai, and no children. But by the time he became Abraham, he was a father of many nations. Come on, Holy Spirit. The thing that God can do, literally the Bible says that the the grains of the sand, that's how many nations he will. Like literally God expanded him to the point that it's like, can you even count sand on a beach? Can you? What's the proper term? Is it is it sand kernel? Like what is it? Can you even count it? The grain of sand. Thank you. I heard you say it. Sometimes we got to stop looking at the advice that someone is giving and ask, can you see past me and see into my purpose to give me the words, the verbiage, the fuel to the vehicle that God wants me to drive? Can you give me that? I am so absolutely baffled by this new awakening that's happening. Allow me to to boldly step out and say this. I feel that there is something happening in the spirit that there is a generation that wants to do something that's never been seen before. I feel like there's a generation that wants to believe that good things come from Nazarene. I feel like there's something that's happening in this in the spiritual realm where there is a it, it almost looks rebellious. It almost looks risky. It almost looks irresponsible. But what it is, is people who are not willing to live the way they used to live to get what they used to get because they want what God has for them now and later. I feel like there is something that is stirring up some people that's saying, as much as I would like to go ahead and maintain what you sustain, it's not fulfilling me. And I don't want to do that because anything that's not fulfilling me is shackling me. And anything that's shackling me makes me realize that my, my ancestors is slavery. I'm not participating in that. I truly feel like there is something that is erupting in the spiritual realm that wants to birth and come forth, but it's only going to be birthed through people who are bold enough to do some things different. 
And I have finally gotten to the place that I'm like, I'm not going to be bound anymore. I'm not going to be shackled anymore to what people see that this is the way that you get to the particular item that's the desire of your heart. Oh, you want to be in leadership? You got to have this many years, this many, whatever. I believe, I want to just be daring enough to believe that God can give me my heart's desires without taking me the course that you see fit. That I don't have to be somewhere in a position so many different years or I have to go ahead and accumulate this many uh, certificates or whatever it is that you deem to be the qualificant for this particular position. I believe that God can go ahead and take me through a back door. And as long as I learn the lessons that he wanted me to learn and have the uh, character and and morality intact, that my integrity is where it needs to be, then I can get whatever I need to get. Because as far as I know, when when Joseph went from the pit to the palace who taught him how to manage where did he get his MBA okay where did he learn finance okay where did he learn he didn't learn any of that so the same thing that it took for somebody else to go to school to get and have a doctoral degree and have all those experiences you go ahead and go to the experience of the Holy Spirit and he'll teach you something that the world will be like how did you know to do that how did you know to put away for a famine Joseph how, how did you know? And, and to go ahead and further blow your mind, it wasn't that Joseph was just excelling in one thing. The Bible says that he excelled in every area that God placed him. Everywhere he was at, God gave him like victory and excellence and just multiplied him everywhere. He was in the pit and, and all right, you thought that was the end? No. He went to jail. He was over the people in jail. He How you the head jail person, sir? Aren't you shackled? No. He's the head honcho there. Everywhere that he was put, it was like, oh my gosh, when he was a slave, before Potiphar's wife went ahead and lied on him. I don't want to say the L word because my grandma said don't say that. Before she went ahead and fibbed on him, he, he was over all the slaves. It's like no matter where he went, he found himself in a leadership position it's almost like he was positioned for purpose so that made me want to debunk anything that sounds like you scared to leave your job because you think because God has me there I I don't if God placed me there I don't want to move so are you telling me that purpose is a location are you telling me that you've been deceived to think that your anointing and your blessing and the grace that God has over your life is in somebody's street address you you mean to tell me that if you don't sit in that exact seat at the exact time uh, and if you move just an iota, then that's just it. Then you, you're not reading your Bible and you have a misunderstanding of your God. Because as far as I know, um, I've read a Bible that said that uh, the angels told Lot, yo, you need to go ahead and leave because we're getting ready to tear up Sodom and Gomorrah or something terrible. And we don't want you to smell the rest of this soot that's getting ready to happen from here. And he was like, oh, well, you said to run? And it was like all the way over there. He was like, bruh, I can only run as far as Zor. And they were like, cool. The way that we believe, the anointing is only when he runs all the way over there. The anointing is not in Zor. No, the anointing and the covering and the blessing is over him. So wherever Lot went, do you understand that? I don't care if Buddy said, I'm about to jump over the, I'll go three feet and then I'm going to climb. I I believe wholeheartedly God would have covered that. We have bound ourselves to believe that God only operates one way. And I'm here to tell you, get that off of you. Because I'm no longer operating in that. It's going to get off of me. You have got to get to a point that you start being a little bit more bold. 
You mean to tell me you're going to read something about in the Bible where God says, I can give you more than you ever asked or think that I delight in your heart's desires, that I made you a little lower than angels. And then here you are on the earth that he made this whole thing for you. I don't know if you read Genesis, but all the things that happened before creating humans, it was all for you. He created all this square footage and you decided to take residence right there and suffer. You decided to take residence right there and be shackled. Why? Who taught you that? And I can only believe that it's genetics. I can only believe that it's cultural because I went as far out as my experiences will let me and looked into other cultures. And I said, one thing I can say about the Hispanic culture, Latinas and all that, uh, is that they stick together together. Like, you, you can say what you want about, you know, they all you know, get into one car or they all are, there's a couple of families that, you know, they, they're compacted in their living capacity and their residences. You can say what you want, but you know what? You'll never find something that can't get done. Okay, them, them, that population, them grandbabies taught themselves some things that makes their generation sustainable. Okay, so they can fix a thing, but they more than that, they stick together. When, when I was introduced to the real backings and the mechanics and the administrative work of how Caucasian descent works, and I can only again speak as far as my experience will allow me. I literally remember asking a coworker where she lived and she said home. And I looked at her as weird as she was looking back at me. And I said, you live at home? She said, yeah, I'm not married yet. I said, but you live with your parents. She said, yeah, I'm not married yet. And so I took that opportunity to teach myself. I said, can you, can you teach me? How were you raised? She said, well, I was raised to make sure that I go to college, try to find my husband in college. That's something that it was really spoken to me from a young age. But then it was also like being married and getting a good career. I said, really? She was like, yeah. I said, huh. Then I thought about, about and I don't know the proper way to say it, but the Asian community. I said, you know, it's one thing for certain. They're going to make sure that their kids are super-duper smart. You're going to be somebody's engineer. You're going to be somebody's ahead of the game. You're going to be somebody's entrepreneur. You're going to be somebody. Better believe it, okay? And we all going to back you to make sure that you become more than what, you ever, what our ancestors ever became in this particular culture. And it's like, man, you look at all the cultures and you feel like, can I say something? It looks like there's a common denominator of support that maybe our culture doesn't have. And when I say our, I mean African-American descent. We don't even have the luxury to fail properly. And when I really thought about that, I was like, do do we even have enough to create a soft cushion for our own landings? Can you not afford to cushion somebody else's because you haven't cushioned yourself? Because you still live in paycheck to paycheck. So our ancestors, is it's like, what was the point of y'all being enslaved? And you know what I'm starting to see? That there was a, there's a trickle down in that mentality. It is an absolute known fact that African Americans can take more than the average bear. 
it's like a good watch. It just one one little piece of water, and then we gonna keep taking. <laughs> you know, it's okay. We gonna keep going, and we have learned and have passed down this insane, alienated way to endure a thing and keep going. When somebody needed to tap us on our shoulder and say, "But you don't have to no more." I know that we're still behind on many regard equality and all that we can point out all the obvious but do you know that enduring just because you don't have to like when grandma endured that abusive relationship because she she wanted to keep the family together and she wanted to whatever that reasoning for her somebody needed to tap her on her shoulder and say yeah but you don't have to like it's weird seeing that you're not happy it's it, it should be weird feeling unhappy and still having to feed and, pro- and be provided by a man who you know in your heart doesn't love you and that he has a whole nother family somewhere else like at some point who was going to tap you on your shoulder and say you know what if nobody else even if you can't do it for yourself I'm going to speak freedom into you I'm going to allow you the space to be free can I say something to you are, are you enduring in areas because you have to and I'm speaking, I'm speaking from experience. I literally had that conversation with my husband today. I said, for half of my life, I have more I have to's than I chose to's. And I don't like that ratio. I had jobs I had to keep. I, ha- I had to stay in places I didn't want to stay. I ha- because I have a son, so I have to do A, B, and C. There were so many I have to's that now I feel like I want to afford the rest of my life of I chose to. That's, there's so much freedom in that. But it has to come from doing the hard work of unshackling my own mind state. Because even if I become free, I have to be cognizant that there are still people around me that are still shackled and they call it freedom. Like, just because I literally was told Who cares about money? Your job offers you a retirement package. At least take that. So you want me to stay shackled somewhere that I'm unfulfilled for three decades and then you want me to have the grand prize of getting a percentage so being paid less than what I struggled to maintain. And see, no, 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 all of that doesn't, it doesn't even compute to me anymore because my mindset is no longer on the gauge of shackled. Like I literally, I understand the mission now. And the mission is to get off of me whatever doesn't propel me forward. To get off of me the things that anchor me. I no longer want to subscribe to that. I read in the Bible where people were saying some outrageous things and I was like, wow, that's amazing. And closed my book and went ahead and lived a normal life. Then what was the sense of salvation? Like, I, I need for people, and I'm speaking to myself, I want us all to understand that we don't have to recreate Gethsemane. Jesus already did that. You don't have to pray blood, sweat, and tears. You don't have to do any of that no more. You have a Savior that did everything that you will ever have to do. He did it already. Not saying that you would never come across a difficulty. Not saying that you would never have something that you're like, whoa, okay, this is an inconvenience. But that toiling, that enduring, that lashing on your back that it feels like you have to attend to because you have to, you don't have to anymore. And I don't know if anyone has ever stared you down and looked you in your eyes and say, I almost want to dare you to go search for your freedom. 
If it's not at this job, go find it somewhere else. If it's not in this relationship, try to repair it to the best of your ability and then ask God, go ahead and give me something else. At this point, there should be no arena of your life that you voluntarily stick to because you feel like you have to. You more committed to enduring than you are to seeking out God's purpose for your life. That should feel wrong to you. That should be an upset in your soul. And I'm starting to feel like now some of the frustrations that you feel is literally your soul fighting the mindset that you've adapted. You are literally screaming from the inside and, and typing, typing on the outside. You are literally screaming for a new way, a new pace, something new on the inside. And on the outside, you're putting on the same shoes and the same badge and the same car keys. You're putting in to go to the place that is just the sameness. I want to stare you down and really ask you and dare you to go find your fulfillment. Go find it. The world is going to fill you regardless. At least be fulfilled with what you allow to enter you. Do you understand that? I feel like we just need to start looking at things different because the mindset is where the shackling happens first. Isn't that why the Bible says that he got to renew our minds? Because if he can't get you to think different, you ain't never going to go for different, so you'll never receive different. It literally starts with the way that you think. So much so that I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do something completely different. I'm going to look at something in the Bible that we've looked at so many different ways. I'm going to force us to see it differently. Luke 15. NOT version. I want to read about the parable of uh, the prodigal son. You ready? Let's do it. Verse 11. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. 12. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. 13. A few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. 14. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. 15. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. 16. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants had food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. Rebuke that in the name of Jesus. 18. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. 19. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. 21. His son said to him, Father, almost like he practiced it. 
I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I no longer am worthy of being called your son. 22, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. 23, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. 24, for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Let me help you uh, switch your perspective on this. Number one, shouts out to the prodigal son for wanting to do something different. Yeah, if if the uh, normal way of doing it is that I get all these riches after you pass, I don't want to wait that long. I want to enjoy it now that I'm young. I don't know how old I'm going to be because in the Bible, y'all was living to like five 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 thousand years in my opinion. Okay, great. And so I don't know how much longer, how many more years and centuries you got left, sir. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, um, I feel like I'm in my prime now. So I want to go ahead and I want to experience the life that I could have later. I want it now. Shouts out to the prodigal son for wanting to be um, what the world would call a rebel, but just wanting to do something different and be a risk taker. Dare to do something different. Shouts out to him. That's number one for that grandbaby. Number two, uh, shouts out for the father for not even debating that. It was like, cool, never done that before, but let me go ahead and split this. Let me see, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. And let me go ahead and switch that over and put that to your brother's account. Cool, here's yours. And then buddy set for a couple of days. Because verse 13 says a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. But you know what? Shouts out to him saying, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it big. You understand? I'm going to go ahead and do something. I never, I've seen this part of life. I'm going to just go waste my money in my hometown. I'm going to do something different. However, he didn't use wisdom. And so that is the difference between walking out and just doing something bold on your own knowledge opposed to doing something bold and making sure that God backs you. Don't get it twisted. But then God in all his awesomeness um, caused for something uncomfortable to happen. Because in 14 it says about this time his money ran out and a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. Oh, you mean to tell me that just so coincidentally it just so happened that around the the time that there was a famine his money also ran out? Mm-hmm, because God loves you so much sometimes that he will create a situation for you to then what? What does the Bible say a couple of verses later? That the man came to his senses. It took for the famine to happen. For him to go ahead and go to a local farmer to say, can I at least feed your pigs? For him to at least see that the pigs was eating better than him. But at least it made him come to his senses. It didn't take nothing that was really, really, you know, uh, a, a determined or something that was really you no know, life or death. or oh, That was a detriment. Like that happened. It, it took for something uncomfortable to happen for him to go, wait a minute. It's a 22 <laughs> that like that uncomfortable thing that keeps happening at your job that you keep trying to endure, but God's trying to get your attention. Like that uncomfortable thing that keeps happening in your relationship and you like, every, I got, got 
this unsettling feeling like I don't know like something's off like yeah like that that feeling that you get every time that you keep allowing such and such to do that thing that conversation that you keep having and God says stop having um that one person you keep entertaining whether it's friendship or family or whatever it is um the the thing that you keep pushing back in school the God said go ahead and do but you keep putting it on the back burner the um book that you have in your spirit the business plan you have in your spirit sometime God will have something happen that's uncomfortable for you to go back to your senses because if he got to get you to get to your senses he's going to go ahead and do that even if it makes you uncomfortable so that you revert back to the purpose that he has for you the prodigal son wasn't purpose to be nobody's pig pen have a nice day and so shouts out for God saying "Mm -mm, this time I'm going to deplete you because God could have very well made it that there could have been a famine while he still had money. But what would that have done? He just would have went somewhere else where there was food. No, God strategically made it when now you're in the corner. And the only thing that you have now are your thoughts. And sometimes in the most inconvenient times, sometimes even in the, the dark, even if you don't have a chair to sit in, sometimes that's what God speaks to you the loudest. And it sounds a lot like an unsettling. And it sounds a lot like, what are you doing? You know better. You deserve better. God has better for you. It sounds a lot like that, but it only comes with a little bit of an inkling of, I'm uncomfortable. Something's not right. I'm not used to this. I know that this is uh, this may be my right now, but this can't be my forever. Forever, ever? I can't, I can't do that. So in verse 17 of Luke 15, when it says he finally came to his senses, I almost feel like a celebration. And then here he goes doing what we all do, right? We have it all planned out like, okay, so I'm going to get out of this and then I'm going to try to. So he had this whole thing planned. I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell my father I sinned. And so go ahead. And, nope, I'm not going to be your son. I'm going to be your paid servant. Like, look at you. So you, you're going to go ahead and try to do something um, new, but you're going to come up with your own punishment. So it's like the same thing when you pray like, God, I know I don't deserve A, B, and C because I haven't been doing right. But if you can just only comma do A, B, and C for me. And God is like, if you're going to come back to even pray about it, at least make it worth my while. What good would it be to go ahead and bless you partially? I'm not, I'm not a partial God. Do you see all that I've been doing for people and including you? Like, look at the Bible if you if you forgot some stuff. Like, I don't do partial blessings. Oh, okay. So here he goes, onward marching. Okay, I'm going to go back to my father, and I'm going to say the thing that I rehearsed. And his father was like, listen, before you even get here, I'm about to celebrate the fact that you even came back. But the part that really, really, really just blared out to me is that the prodigal son was more blessed than he can ever imagine because he had a home to go back to. He had the support of his father willing to accept you know what? It's not that you coming back to, you know, I'm not going to re-up and give you another portion of your um, inheritance, but I will give you the space and whatever room, and I'll celebrate the fact that you came back, but at least you came back so that now that you have that experience, we can now have it where it should come up. Just because you came back don't mean that you can't have a come up after this. 
Just because you had to go back a couple of steps in your career don't mean you can't have a come up. Just because you had to stay single for a little bit, everybody around you getting married, once you be bridesmaids and all that other stuff, don't mean that God is not setting something up for you. Like, listen, do not forsake the uh, act of small beginnings. The Bible is very clear, baby. You understand? <laughs> like let's get a little bit cocky in the word like if you're gonna read this thing and believe it to be true then let's read this thing and believe it to be true okay the support of someone not coming back and hearing oh now you want to come back but when you had that money you didn't know nobody like he didn't have to explain what he did he didn't have to as a matter of fact that support was given before he even was able to give his apology because saying, I'm not even worthy to be your son, that bring me on as a hired servant, sounds a lot like you, you're about to be apologetic for what you did. But what you don't realize is, um, I don't know how old you are, particle son, sir, but I do realize that maybe you were young-minded. And so you did what young-minded people do. You wasted something because you didn't see the true value in it. Or you were given something and you weren't taught how to keep it valuable. The same way that certain cultures, <clears throat> ours, uh, goes ahead and has it, well, when you're 18, you grown, you got to get out. You know what? If you're going to keep that standard and put that burden on your child, also take on the burden of making sure that they have all that they need emotionally, physically, financially, and mentally to sustain being in the outside world. So you're saying that it only took you 18 years to make this uh, well-rounded adult, and now when they go out here, they're going to be able to add to society and sustain their own lives? Oh, so if you can't say that, then don't put no burden on no child that once they're 18, they're grown. Hmm? Yeah, I don't know what that Why? Because you cutting and pasting because that was passed down to you? So you passing on generational curses for what? And you don't have to? Like, I, I don't even understand how that's even something that you're even proud of saying. I, all right, I'm I'm getting the attitude, and it's not with you. It's just the fact that, like, we really need to start looking at the way that we operate and realize we're just passing on slavery. What was the point of our ancestors being enslaved that we were just going to teach our children to cut and paste? You grown now, so go ahead and put yourself in debt and try to figure it out and drown in these uh situational uh circumstances in your life that I haven't taught you how to maneuver through. But because you grown, you should figure it out. You're grown, and your brain is not fully developed until 23 to 25 years old. So where do you see full grown? Are you seeing it in height? You seeing it in age? What gives you the confidence that the person that was once your child is now fully able and capable of sustaining their lives and potentially adding on to that? Having a child, dare having a child, trying to marry somebody, emerge into their life incomplete. My challenge to you, if you have not noticed it yet, is I want you to dare to do something different. Be bold enough to go find the thing that fulfills you. Be bold enough to go after it. Be bold enough, even if it looks like I don't even know what I'm doing. At least the prodigal son was bold enough to say, bro, I want, I want my inheritance now. I don't want it when I'm older. At least be bold enough to say, I'm not about to sit at nobody's job for 30 years and know that every day that I sat here, I didn't enjoy this to the fulfillment of me. That what you call stability, I call stagnation. And if I call it that, I don't care what you call it, it this is my life. I, I have to live this day to day and know that I'm dragging myself here. 
and I'm choosing to drag myself here because after this conversation, we already said no, no more I have tos. We're going to change that ratio around. I want you to make this the best decade of your life. I literally declared this to myself today and I'm just going ahead and out and I'm going to go ahead and conjoin you to this. I want this to be the best decade of your life that when you look back a decade further from here and you turn around, I want the decade older you to look at you now and go, I am so glad that I'm not still dealing with him her, that job, that that um, pull in the entrepreneurial lane, the whatever it is, I'm so glad that you were bold enough to take the risk that was needed for me to be free. I'm free now in the future because you were bold enough to take a risk in the present. If that risk is you change your career, do it. If that risk is, I know that they frown upon counseling, but I want to keep my family intact, do it. If that risk is, I know everybody in this household and in my bloodline is heavy, but I'm not carrying, do it. If it's, listen, I I really have a traveling spirit and I feel like I want, do it. You want to travel abroad? You want to study abroad? You want to, you want to be a traveling nurse? Whatever. Do it. But at least be bold enough to do it. So that it's not a part of your all I always wanted to do in your future. Leave no stone unturned. I said it before and I'm going to say it again. Best decade of your life. I stand by that. And I want you to stand by that. But we can only collectively walk in that if we are bold to get off of us what generationally and maybe even genetically was put into us. Behold, I'm doing a new thing, says the Lord. All right. I feel like you got what you needed. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. You got what you needed. You know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you. Who is going to brew the tea? The water. Put the tea bag, the honey, squeeze a lemon, stir, sip with you. Who but your favorite homegirl? Who but your favorite? Who, who, who but your favorite homegirl? Hmm? Okay, I just want to make sure you got that clear because um, you better be appreciating my friendship. Okay, I'm looking at you, looking at me, looking at you like that. That's what I'm doing. But I'm going to go ahead and uh, let you let me go. For some reason, I'm having this weird craving for like... Uh, and I dare not say it because it sounds a little ghetto, but like for a hot dog with mustard and ketchup. And no, she's not having nobody's additional grandbabies. I just got, I shouldn't have said craving because every time I say something, you get slick. Listen, I got to go. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm. Later. <laughs>